Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, NFL fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Fans First Football Show. I am Jeff Hartman, and joining me as always, Rob Statsgar. He's back in the Victory Monday shirt. It's so good to see you. Rob. Welcome to the show. Yes, this is what winning feels like. I had forgotten it had been a month, and God, is it good to be back. A freaking month. That's a long time. <laughs> it is a very long time. And the bye week. like That could not have been worse for 49ers fans, but... 49ers get right. That's fine. We're going to talk about that game. We're going to talk about all of Sunday's games right here on the Fans First Football Show as a part of Fans First Sports Network. Make sure you check us out there. Also, let's talk about the game that started everything off. And uh, what a dud. I mean, you last week, you have the game in Germany. It's really entertaining with Chiefs, Dolphins. This week, it's the complete antithesis of that. Colts, Patriots, final score, 10 to 6. Mac Jones gets benched. Bailey Zappi throwing to Lord knows who to finish out the game with an interception. And then after the game, I don't know if you saw this, Rob, they interviewed him. He's like, what were you seeing? He goes, well, let's just say I can't say what I want to say. Like, what is going on in New England? But I don't know. What do you think about this game? The Colts win. The Patriots are just really bad. I think we saw the end of Mac Jones' career as a starting quarterback in the National Football League. I mean, they're driving down in this game. It's 10-6 Colts. They start at the 25-yard line, and they are moving the ball down the field. They are flying down the field. It's second and 12 at the Colts' 15-yard line, and Mac Jones has an open receiver. Mike Jacecki is open, and he, in a clean pocket, just decides to randomly like fade backwards for no reason, throw off his back foot. The ball is so hideously underthrown. There's like three Colts there. One of them makes the catch for the interception, and he's literally looking around like, did this just happen? Is there some other player near me that I need to worry about? It was hideous. It was so bad, and Belichick pulled him right after that, and I think he's done as a starter in the National Football League. Belichick's pulled this guy so many times in games. I mean, this this year has been. If you're Mac Jones, there's you really have a feeling like they have no faith in me. Rightfully so. He has played poorly, and especially in those clutch moments, he's made really costly turnovers. But I just think about Mac Jones. I mean, he's a first round draft pick, I believe, and he's a guy that the 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 Patriots were hopeful could be that next quarterback for them. Maybe not. He's not Tom Brady, but at least a quarterback post Tom Brady. They're not showing much faith in him at all. Bailey Zappi's not much better. And the Gardner Minshew Colts continue to find a way to win a game. This was an ugly, ugly game. Any other takeaways from this one, Rob? No, honestly. Like, Jonathan Taylor seems to have passed up Zach Moss. Jonathan Taylor had 23 carries in the game. Zach Moss had one, which is a shame because Zach Moss has been great all year long. But it looks like Jonathan Taylor has sort of reclaimed his uh, spot as the workhorse there in Indy. Uh, real quick, there's a lot of people and there's a lot of rumors and speculation now about Bill Belichick's future with the Patriots. And some are saying that they plan on moving on from Belichick. And when you look at the Patriots and they're, I mean, they are really struggling. They're, they're two and eight. And they're at the point where you think about they might have a, a top five draft pick, barring something turning around. And 
you have to ask yourself as an organization, do we want Bill Belichick, the GM, and Bill Belichick, the head coach, being the one that makes this pick? Rob, what are your thoughts on Belichick before we move on? No, Belichick, the GM, is not good. He's been very fortunate that he had number one Tom Brady and he had Belichick, the coach, to overcome that. But Bill Belichick, the general manager, has not been good. It's a different job. It's a very difficult job, and it's hard to do both, right? Coach and GM. He's basically been, you know, running everything there in New England for a very long time. And if I'm the Patriots, I think I just need to turn the page, right? This is it's it's a sticky situation to get rid of Bill Belichick, but you are in the midst of a disaster season. I think everybody can say, look, we tried it for a few years after Brady. We just think, thank you for everything, but we think it's time to move on. Let your franchise, let that draft pick be made by somebody else and just turn the page. And Bill Belichick can still coach if he wants to coach. I'm sure he'll get another job, no problem. But if you're New England, this is a prime opportunity to turn the page and to not do it because of success that Bill Belichick has had in the past would be a giant mistake. Latest rumor I heard is that the Washington commanders are going to make a play, a potential trade for Bill Belichick, the coach. We have seen coach trades before in the NFL. We'll see how that plays out, but the Patriots are bad. The Colts keep finding ways to win. And I'm sure there's part of the Colts fan base as they're five and five are saying like, man, what are we going to do? Like we don't have Anthony Richardson, you know, I get it, but let's move on. There were some crazy finishes to games, especially in the one o'clock frame on Sunday last-minute kicks to win, games that kind of got flipped on their heads. Let's start a game that I was very interested in, really kind of disappointed that every team in the AFC North played at 1 o'clock, and that is the Cincinnati Bengals and the Houston Texans. We, on this show, have been talking a lot about the Houston Texans, and we've been telling anyone that listens to our podcast, don't sleep on this team. Don't sleep on this coaching staff, on C.J. Stroud. C.J. Stroud continues to make huge strides as they find a way to beat the Cincinnati Bengals 30 to 27 on the road to improve them five and four. They're alive in the AFC South because of we'll talk about what the 49ers did to the Jaguars, but now they have a head to head win over the now five and four Bengals in terms of the AFC playoff picture. Rob, this was a huge win for the Houston Texans. CJ Stroud is so freaking good everybody agrees the texans roster is not very good right cj stroud is second in pass yards in the league and he has the fewest interceptions in the league and he's a rookie quarterback the score is tied he gets the ball back with a minute and 33 seconds left on his 25 yard line he goes right down the field six plays 55 yards not only did he go down the field they only had one third down on the entire drive he crushed it they kicked a game-winning field goal with no time left on the clock. One of five buzzer beaters we had in the NFL in Week 10, by the way. I can't say enough about C.J. Stroud. I can't say enough about D'Amico Ryans and the job he's doing there. And Bobby Slowick, who obviously came with Ryans from the 49ers. The Texans are way better than anybody thought they were going to be at this point. And that is a massive win for that team. Like I said, we've been talking about this team for weeks. And we've been talking about the coaching staff and Stroud, and maybe now people are just finally realizing it. But I can say this as a Steelers fan. When the Steelers went to Houston, they the, the Houston Texans didn't just beat the Steelers. They blew their doors off. It wasn't even competitive. The Steelers won the toss. They opted to defer, and the Texans drove right down the field, ran the ball right down their throat. And from that moment on, I said, this team is not the team that we thought they were. And mm -hmm. now it's just now that they're starting to get some recognition from a, a national perspective. But I want to talk about what they have coming up. We'll talk about this game. But next week, they play the Cardinals. Then they go to Jacksonville. 
Broncos, Jets, Titans, Browns, and finished with the Titans and Colts. That is not a murderer's row schedule, Rob. I think these Houston Texans are here to stay. I think they're very much going to be a part of the AFC playoff picture down the stretch. And I got to add this. That was a bad loss by the Bengals. I mean, they had won four games in a row. You're at home. You're expected to win this game in a very, very competitive AFC North. You cannot trip up, especially at home. And they did. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with what you said on the Texans. Honestly, I think you could argue they have the better quarterback in every game the rest of the season, except for maybe the Browns game, because Deshaun Watson looks like he might be starting to regain some of his old form. But other than that, I think C.J. Stroud's the better quarterback in every single one of those games. Excuse me. So I agree with that. And if you're Cincinnati, yes. like Not that Houston is an easy game, but it's a game you have to have. Your aspirations, if you're Cincinnati, are to be in the Super Bowl. And to win the Super Bowl, you're supposed to be able to win this game, especially at home. And, I mean, you look at the box score and you're like, damn, seems like we did everything right. Joe Burrow had 350 yards almost. Jamar Chase had a 100-yard game. Tyler Boyd had a 100-yard game. You think like, oh, man. If you would just look at the stats, you might think Cincinnati rolled in this one. But C.J. Stroud got it done. Good for Houston and, and Cincinnati. That's that's one at the end of the year you're going to look back and say, you know what? That really hurt us. And it was their defense. Like you said, they had the lead in the fourth quarter. C.J. Stroud takes him down the field, puts him in position. I've never been a believer in the Cincinnati defense, and that's coming from a Steelers fan. Say I'm opinionated, I am. But I also understand that this – this team got rid of both of their safeties. They let them walk last season and Jesse Bates and Von Bell, like they're gone. This defense is not, I don't think they're as, as good as a lot of people give them credit for. They're not bad, but the Houston Texans, what a win. And I mean, Steelers fans were rejoicing. I'm sure Browns fans were too. Let's go to that game next. The Cleveland Browns, it, they look dead in the water as I'm checking scores during the Steelers game at one o'clock. At one point, I believe they were trailing 17 to three, possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, after the first quarter, actually. And they just keep on staying around, hanging around, hanging around. Deshaun Watson at one time, they were wondering if he was going to leave with an ankle injury. He stays in the game. You mentioned it earlier. Starts to have some signs of life. Browns come back and win. Walk-off style, like you mentioned. A lot of those games ended that way. 33-31. to The Browns beat the Ravens at M&T Bank Stadium. It's a tough place to play. The Ravens come back down to the pack. What do you think about this game? Talk about losses you're going to look back on and say that really hurt us. I mean, for the Ravens, you're trying to, you know, get a number one seed in the AFC. You are absolutely rolling in this one. You're up 17 to three, like you said, after the first quarter. And it just kept getting worse for you. Like, I don't know what happened. The, the, the offense, I mean, they did score two more touchdowns in the game, but the defense completely fell apart. They allowed two field goals in the second quarter. They traded touchdowns in the third quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, They allow 16 points by Cleveland to lose the game. And this is a great Ravens defense. Not like a pretty good Ravens defense. A really good Ravens defense. But Deshaun Watson absolutely played fantastic. I think I saw something where he was 14 of 14 in the second half or something like that. I'm trying to find the actual number, which, of course, now that I need it, I can't find it. But just an unbelievable bounce back game for Deshaun Watson, including playing on a gimpy ankle. Also, by the way, and just really regained the form. You you saw a glimpse of why he has that ridiculous contract. Yeah. Yeah. And the Browns fans have been waiting for this. They've been waiting for something like, hey, we're giving this guy a king's ransom. Can we please see something that resembles that what mirrors the contract that was given? 
I do believe that, and I think this is important to note when you talk about Deshaun Watson's success to the air, I'm pretty sure Marlon Humphrey left this game with a non-contact injury and you hate to see that. And he's dealt with some injuries in the past. I'm not sure what the prognosis is on that. I have not seen, but still the, the Ravens, again, you blow this lead. Everyone said Baltimore's defense, Baltimore's defense. That's not it. Like that's, that's not it. And and I, I don't know if I'm not going to say the word exposed, but the Browns, what do they do? They run the ball. Well, they have good offensive line. Yep. And that was even without Jed Willis in the game because he's on an IR with a PCL, I think an injury and an MCL strain. So the, the Browns are figuring it out. They stay alive. And like I said, in the AFC North, things are crazy. The Ravens have a half game lead over the Steelers at seven and three. And then you have two, six and three teams and a five and four team. Rob, real quick, what's your take on the AFC North in general? Because it's it's a crazy division right now. It's crazy when you look at the standings and you're like, all right, let's see the AFC North. Who's the worst team in the division? Well, it's probably the Steelers, and they're six and three, right? I mean, it's just crazy. <laughs> to say. And they've been outgained, I think, in every single game this year, something like that. By the way, Watson uh, completed 14 straight passes in the second wow. half. That's the number I was looking for. Um, but yeah, the, that whole division is crazy. Good on Cleveland to get the win. They finally got a little offense uh, to go along with that incredible defense. They had three drives in the second half in this game. First one, 17 plays, 75 yards, touchdown, took up 10 minutes. Second one, six plays, 75 yards, took up two and a half. And the final offensive possession, 12 plays, 58 yards, took up five minutes. They just punish you all the way down the field, and that's how you get a win. Yeah, absolutely. Browns very much need to win. Ravens, like I said, they come back down to the pack in the division. Let's leave the AFC North for a little bit before we go to the Steelers. And let's talk about a game which I find is very interesting. You think about fan narratives. You know, NFL wants this league to be a week-to-week league. And it absolutely has turned into a week-to-week league. And you listen to the, the national pundits and things like that. When you talk about the Tennessee Titans, everyone was all on the Will Levis bandwagon right he threw four touchdowns in his debut yes he loses on a short week to pittsburgh in week nine on thursday night football doesn't play horribly though boy is that a stinker against the buccaneers as the titans lose 20 to 6 and so now what's the fan narrative well it's kind of flipped and now everyone's wondering is will levis that guy it's a week-to-week league and in this week the buccaneers finish the game 20 to 6 they beat the titans and they remain relevant in the awful NFC South, but Rob, what's your takeaways from this game? I mean, this is inexplicable. Will Levis was 19 of 39. He turned the ball over once. He had one interception. That's it. Derrick Henry, 11 carries for 24 yards. That's 2.2 yards per carry. Now I was looking and I was like, wait, did the, did Tennessee have a bunch of turnovers? Is that why all their offensive numbers are down? Nope. Just the one interception. Tampa Bay just absolutely shut them down. And look, Baker Mayfield, put together a solid performance, 18 of 29, 278, two touchdowns and a pick. You know, Baker doesn't get any credit for last week's game because Tampa ended up losing, but he drove him right down the field at the end of the game and threw a touchdown pass. You know, Baker has not played nearly as bad as people expected him to play. Tampa's good enough to beat bad teams and the Titans are a bad team right now. They are. And you don't know. It's like a rudderless ship. Like they just, you don't know where they're going to go. You don't know which direction they're headed. And, and so are the Buccaneers. Like you bring up Baker Mayfield. He, had a, he has a good outing in this game. But ultimately, Baker Mayfield's play has been so up and down this season as well. And it's, it's always been that way with Baker Mayfield, even going back to Cleveland and when he bounced around the league last year. But the Buccaneers, you, I want to mention, the, you know, they're four and five. 
And so everyone's thinking, oh, well, they're going to be done. Well, not really. Not in the NFC South. I mean, the NFC South, you have New Orleans at five and five is winning. There's leading the division right now. And then you have Tampa Bay and Atlanta right behind them at four and five and four and six, respectively. This was a bad game. There's nothing that I'm going to talk about that's really earth shattering here. But the Buccaneers are not dead yet. I'll say that. Not in that division. Like you said, nobody's over 500. Carr is hurt in New Orleans. Jameis Winston had to come in in that game, which he came in and still managed to throw two picks because, you know, that's what Jameis Winston does. <laughs> but yeah, no, somebody in that division is getting a home playoff game, Jeff. Yep. We've been saying that all year. Let's talk about the Saints since you bring them up and Derek Carr leaving the game with an injury. Minnesota and Joshua Dobbs remain to be what is such a darling story in the National Football League. Joshua Dobbs gets traded. I did hear the story of him getting traded. He was on a podcast and I saw a clip of it on Twitter. And basically he said that, you know, they told him in Arizona he wasn't going to get traded. And then all of a sudden his agent's like, look, I I think they might be dealing you. They're shopping (laughs) you right now. Finds out he's going to be traded to Minnesota. He goes in, he's won back-to-back games in dramatic fashion coming off the bench last week. The Vikings find a way to win 27 to 19. They beat the Saints and Joshua Dobbs. He does it again. I don't know. I don't know what that is. He made a play in this game. He had a rushing touchdown. I can't even describe to you. It was like a Michael Vick style roll out, run to the right, then reverse field, come all the way back around to the left and score a touchdown. Like this is not just Josh Jobs in there, checking it down, managing the game. Like, no, he's making big time plays. Keep in mind last week, He's on the sideline with his offensive lineman going over his cadence because they, they're not used to it. They haven't heard it because he's only been in Minnesota for like 15 minutes. And now, not only is he there, but he's a key part in them winning games and putting up 27 points on a very good defense. Yeah, and and now the Vikings have completely turned around their season, even when it seemed like it was impossible without Kirk Cousins. They're 6-4. and four. They are six and four. And we've talked about this team as well as like, hey, let's not sleep on the Vikings because they have the Broncos and the Bears and the Raiders coming up. So those three are very winnable games. Even with Joshua Dobbs, Justin Jefferson should be back at some point. And that's only going to help boost this offense. My question about Joshua Dobbs is this. Joshua Dobbs is like a spark. You know, he's that great quarterback when he comes in. Think about Arizona at the beginning of the season. He gave him that spark. Sometimes defensive coordinators can kind of figure it out, and next thing you know, the spark is gone. But for right now, the Vikings faithful have to be ecstatic that they're winning these games. Six and four. The Saints, as we mentioned, the NFC South is bad. But the Vikings, they're they are probably not going to go away. They have a very favorable schedule coming up. I completely agree with you. And they might be the only thing that stands between the Lions and the number one seed in the NFC because the Lions have a cake schedule. And I looked at those two Vikings games and I was like, oh, they're going to win those. Not if Josh Dobbs is playing like this, they won't. He has been great. And Peter King has a great note in Football Morning in America. Josh Dobbs is now the first player in league history with 400 passing yards, 100 rushing yards, and zero interceptions in his first two games with a team. Josh Dobbs! Like, (laughs) Josh Dobbs was an afterthought. Okay, he was just like, oh, this random quarterback. The big thing we knew about him is that he was super smart, right? He's an astronaut. And now it's like, no, he's not just a crazy story. He's actually a good quarterback. And he has the coolest nickname in the NFL, the Pastronaut. How good is that? (laughs) The dude was drafted by the Steelers. I've never heard that before. (laughs) That's the best nickname (laughs) ever. 
Uh, if someone's not making t-shirts with that on it, they're missing a golden opportunity for sure. But the the Vikings win, and they stay afloat. The Saints, uh, that NFC South is going to leave a lot to be desired. Let's go to your game. A blowout win. The 49ers and Jaguars both coming off their bye weeks. The 49ers, as you mentioned at the top of the show, have not won a game in over a month. Never in my wildest dreams would I thought that this we, we would even say that sentence in describing the San Francisco 49ers in 2023. And they come back in a big way. 34 to 3. That defensive effort was what really caught my attention. Yes, 34 points is great, but they hold the Jaguars to three points. That was the kicker for me. Rob, what's your take as the the 49ers guy for fans for sports network? I completely agree. The defense was the most encouraging thing in this game. Five sacks on Trevor Lawrence, four turnovers forced. They should have had a defensive touchdown scored, but the 49ers had people on the field that shouldn't have been, so the touchdown got called back. It was the defensive performance that we have come to expect from this 49ers team. It was so good to see. Trevor Lawrence had been incredible at getting the ball out of his hands quickly this year. He couldn't do that in this game because the 49ers were disguising their coverages in different ways than they had. That gave the pass rush time to get home. It was a masterful performance by the 49ers. And this is what they do, Jeff. They get up by multiple scores early. That defense can pin their ears back. And then it just snowballs on you. And that's exactly what happened in this game. After two possessions, the 49ers were up 10-0. And they never looked back from there. How did uh, Chase Young look in his first in his debut with the 49ers? Chase Young looked just fine. There was literally a play where he and Bosa, you know, Chase Young, when he was introduced, said, I think it's going to be a race to the quarterback. And there was literally a play in this game. It was just a three-man rush, but it was Bosa and Young on the outside. They came around the edge. They both met Trevor Lawrence at the exact same time. Nick Bosa gets the strip and recovers the fumble turnover for the 49ers. It was like chef's kiss. Beautiful. Just how you drew it up. So it's a big win for San Francisco for a lot of reasons. They're six and three now, and mainly in that NFC West with Seattle. We'll talk about that game soon. But then you bring up the Jacksonville Jaguars loss, and you you look at the AFC South, and we mentioned with Houston, they are right on their tails at five and four, six and three is the Jacksonville Jaguars record. And it this division is now becoming extremely tight. And let's not forget that Houston has the head-to-head win already over the Jacksonville Jaguars this season. When you look at San Francisco, this is the game. You've got some big games coming up. I This is what I hate about the NFL schedule sometimes. I hate the fact that in two weeks you have Seattle, then you have the Eagles, then Seattle again. Like those two two games in three weeks. Like I hate that. And it's not the only division that does that. They do this often. I can't stand those two division games sandwiched in between an Eagles game. It's not going to get easy for the 49ers, right, Rob? No, it absolutely isn't. This is the tough part of their schedule. And the frustrating thing is not only do they have to play Seattle, Philly, Seattle, but that Thursday, the first game against Seattle is on Thanksgiving. It's a Thursday night game. So you're playing on a short week, and then you got to go to Seattle to play the Seahawks on Thanksgiving in a game that's going to be very important for the division, like you said. So I don't love that for the 49ers, but hey, that's the schedule, and you do what you got to do. It's a huge win for the San Francisco 49ers. I'm sure the Jaguars will bounce back, but the 49ers needed this win. They needed to keep their aspirations yes. of potentially getting the first overall NFC seed. Like that, that's, that was so important for San Francisco. Big bounce back game for them. Let's talk about the team that I cover, the Pittsburgh Steelers. They somehow, some way, find a way to continue to win in the oddest ways possible, and that is by... <laughs> 
having the opposition outgain you from a yardage perspective. Yet when the, the when the numbers show zero on the scoreboard, they've been ahead six out of nine games or six and three after beating the Green Bay Packers 23 to 19. Two very important interceptions were the turning point in this game. I don't know how the Steelers are doing it. I'm not going to try and pretend like I do, but they keep winning games and they're six and three. Running the ball 36 times for 205 yards doesn't hurt. When you can run the ball 36 times for almost (laughs) six yards per carry, that is massive for your team. You're going to control the ball. You're going to keep the other offense off the field. That's in part how you allow less than 20 points per game. And then you talked about it. Obviously, the two turnovers were absolutely huge. TJ Watt continues to be a game wrecker. He now has one half sack more than his brother, JJ, through the same amount of games in their career. You think that's coming up at Thanksgiving dinner? Yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. It, everyone always says this, and I talked about this on my Let's Ride podcast on Monday morning. Everyone says, well, this, this is not sustainable for the Steelers. This is not sustainable. They can't keep winning like this. They have all year. Like They <laughs> have all year. I mean, the timely takeaways on defense. They are plus 10 in differential. They've taken the ball away 18 times. So that's not just a flash in the pan. That is a trend. They take the ball away. You talk about the game records like TJ Watt. The defense is a bend, don't break defense. They're going to give up yards, but they're not going to let you score in the red zone. The Packers were one for five in the red zone with two turnovers there on Sunday. That's how you win. And then you have an offense with If they can run the ball like that, you don't need Kenny Pickett to go out there and win you many games. He can be mediocre for the first three quarters and then fourth quarter Kenny, if you need him, he's proven he can do that. Do I think Kenny Pickett needs to play better? Absolutely, he needs to play better. And if he is, he is the missing piece to that puzzle. If they can get the passing game going, even just a little bit, they're going to be a tough team to beat because that defense, they, they, they're they going to keep you around 20. And if they can do that, they like their chances. Mike Tomlin's figuring out a way to... I don't know. It's acting like it's the early 2000s, but it's here we are and they're winning that way. If you can run the ball and you can get turnovers, you can beat anybody. And that's how the Steelers have done it. And look, TJ Watt is TJ Watt there. We know the defense is great. So it's just going to come down to can they run the ball, which will eat up the clock and protect Kenny Pickett, like you said, and then they're going to be in it at the end. And so far, like you said, I think they've won. Nine straight one-score games going back to last year. It's something, yeah, nine straight wins in one-score games dating back to last season. Ridiculous. Ridiculous by the Steelers. But you know what? Sometimes you have a year like that. Maybe it's not sustainable for, you know, two, three seasons, but maybe for this year, who knows? And the last thing I'll say about that is that the Steelers obviously are very comfortable in those situations. They, they, They live it every week. So when the defense is on the field with a lead for the first time and seemingly forever, that might have been new. But ultimately, when the offense goes out there and they know they need to drive, they're comfortable there. They've been there. They've done that. So I think the Steelers, is it sustainable for the long term? They need to get some passing movement there. But other than that, I think that maybe the defense is on to something. We'll see. I don't want to spend too much time on the Steelers game, but they stay alive in the AFC North. We mentioned that earlier in the show. Uh, any final thoughts on this game, Rob? The Packers, man, started out okay, and it's just just gone in the absolute tank for Green Bay. It's a rebuilding year for them. They've had a lot of success, but uh, they got a long way to go, dropping five of six and starting two and one. And the, honestly, Jordan Love didn't play horribly. Those two interceptions were bad. But other than that, I mean, he he had some really good throws in this game. If I'm a Packers fan, yeah, this game didn't turn out the way you wanted, but 
there's some hope there. I, I like some of their skill position players, but like you said, it's a rebuilding year. Let's go to the four o'clock time slot now for NFL action. And there were some really interesting games and games that went down to the wire. The Lions and Chargers, if you like scoring, this is your game. The Detroit Lions win 41 to 38. This was back and forth. I'm doing my post game show for the Steel Curtain Network, and I have the TV over here. And it's just like every time I look, there's a touchdown, someone's scoring again. This is incredible. The Chargers are charging like they've never charged before, <laughs> and the Lions are now seven and two. Rob, what do you think? Listen to the these are the second half possessions in this game. Punt, touchdown, 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 <laughs> walk off field goal. That's insane. That's like a Madden game. This was just a fun game all around. Absolutely absurd. Like you pointed out, the Chargers are charging like they just find a way to do it. And I actually saw a stat um, that blew my mind. If you include the playoffs, since Justin Herbert took over for the Chargers, they have allowed 1,502 points. And since Justin Herbert took over for the Chargers, they have scored 1,502 points. I don't know how that's possible, but that's the most Chargers stat of all time. Absolutely, it is. And I, I've again, the, the Lions you don't know what to think about this team because, you know, they go down the road to the chargers and they win. They put up 41 points. I can't get that loss to Baltimore out of my mind though, where they just look completely inept in every possible way. And it doesn't look good. Nothing's working. Maybe team, I get, I get it. Every team has those games, but the lions are seven and two. They're right in the mix. Not only are they in, in the NFC North, but in the NFC picture altogether, the Detroit Lions are for real. Don't you think Rob? No, I actually don't think they're for real. Look who oh. they've beaten. They beat the Chiefs in week one by one point. It was week one. Okay, give them credit. They beat the Falcons, the Packers, the Panthers, the Bucks, the Raiders, and now the Chargers. Not exactly world beaters. And who'd they lose to? The Seahawks, and they lost to the Ravens. And they lost to the Seahawks. They gave up 37. They lost to the Ravens. They gave up 38. Now, they beat the Chargers in this one, but they gave up 38. I don't believe in the Lions' defense. And every time they play a team that actually has their stuff together, they get beat. Oh, that's it. I, I love it. Let's look at their upcoming slate of games. Oh, wow. It's cake. It's cake. It's unbelievably <laughs> easy. It's Bears, Packers, Saints, Bears, Broncos. They finish it off with Vikings, Cowboys, and Vikings. So, yeah, the Lions aren't going away. They might not be for real, but they're going to be in the mix for that number one seed. And as a 49ers fan, I know you're going to be paying close attention. But the Chargers, though. Now, let's talk about the Chargers for a second. In the AFC picture, the, the Chargers are they're struggling mightily. They're four and five now. You look at their upcoming schedule, Packers, Ravens, Patriots, Broncos, Raiders, Bills, Broncos, Chiefs. So it, it's it's hit or miss, and the Chargers could make a late run. Brandon Staley's job's on the line. Not that we didn't know that already. For wrestling fans out there, to me, the Chargers are a jobber. That's what they, they're just out there to make the other team look good. The Chargers are the team that's like, wait, what's the primetime game? Oh, somebody versus the Chargers. Oh, that'll be good. That'll be fun. That'll be entertaining. But that's all it's good for. Cause you know, in the end, the Chargers are going to find a way to lose. They do it over and over and over again. And it's, it's frustrating. Cause every time you start to believe a little bit, they let you down. But I think like that's who they are. That is who they are. I don't know if it's Brandon Staley's fault. Maybe it's deeper than that because they used to do that a lot with Philip Rivers when he was there too and Brandon Staley wasn't there. So like, I don't know, but that's who the Chargers are. So I don't care what the rest of their schedule is. 
They'll probably go 500. They'll make some entertaining games for us down the stretch, which I'm grateful for because I always like entertaining football. But they're a jobber right now. And they do it in style. So it's if you're doing the wrestling comparisons, they're like the Dusty Rhodes of the NFL or they're the uh, Ted DiBiase, the million-dollar man, you know, who is at least going to put on a good show, but you know they're not going to win. Right. So. <laughs> That's who they are. It's sad but true. <laughs> Love the comparison. So there you go. The Lions beat the Chargers. 41 to 38. Let's talk about Kyler Murray's return in the desert. The Cardinals and Falcons 25 to 23 strange game. Tyler Heineke. He leaves the game. Kyler Murray. He has a, I swear. I, I hate this. It's so funny though. I saw a meme on, on social media somewhere where it says when Kyler Murray runs with the ball, it looks like a toddler who's running away <laughs> with their parents with a phone. I swear every time you see him running with a football, you are going to picture a toddler because you have kids. I have five. If they ever have something that run away from you, that's what they, it's what it looks like. But his scramble at the end of the game sets up the game winning field goal. Cardinals win 25, 23. What do you think about Kyler Murray's season debut? Kyler, for him to run around the way he ran in this game, and I know like if you look at the box score, it's six carries for 33 yards. Like that doesn't blow you away. Go watch the 33 yards. Yeah. He is running backwards. He's spinning away from guys. In his first game back coming off an ACL, I was blown away by what he was able to do out there. And you're just talking about a guy. I know that, you know, as a quarterback, ups and downs, whatever, and I get all that. But you are talking about a guy that has been blessed by the gods athletically. The only first round pick in what baseball and football in history, I believe. Like I right. athletically, he is a freak of all freaks, and he was absolutely incredible scrambling around in this game. They get the win. And can I just like this is not an exaggeration. This is nothing. The Falcons threw for 70 yards in the game. 70 <laughs> yards in 2023 when passing has never been easier in the history of football and you have B. John Robinson and Drake London and Kyle Pitts and Cordero Patterson and Van Jefferson 70 yards Arthur Smith you are doing less with more than anybody else in football and it's got to be incredibly frustrating for Falcons fans Man, if there's if there's a team that you look to and you're like, man, like the the Steelers passing attack is awful. Go look at the Falcons. You'll feel better about yourself. Like that's where that's where we are. It's it's ridiculous. Like I'm so frustrated by it. I swear to God, this is true. I started up a franchise in Madden the other day, and I was like, I'm gonna be the Falcons. I'm gonna get a real quarterback, and I'm gonna rip the hell out of everybody. And that's exactly what's happening because they have studs. Drake Jake London's a good player. Kyle Pitts yeah. is unguardable as a tight end. Bijan Robinson can do it all as a running back. You need a quarterback to help tie it together, and you need a, a coach that's going to put his playmakers in position to succeed, and they don't have that right now in Atlanta, and it's got to be maddening. And you can see that the writing is on the wall for a lot of coaches, and I think Arthur Smith is one of those coaches that after this season, he's probably going to be unemployed. If he lasts that long, we don't know. We don't know. We'll see. But the Cardinals, Kyler Murray wins in his first game back, 25-23, a game that was also close, and a game that really has an impact on the NFC West was the Washington Seattle game Seattle 29 26 it was a back and forth affair i i'll say this my takeaway from this game is sam howell this guy you we've talked about him on this show and how many times he gets sacked he's got <laughs> cojones he's got marbles as they say in major league 2 like this dude can stand in the pocket deliver the pass i want to say he might be leading the league in passing yards or something of that i don't know if that's accurate i'm it is. Okay, so even though they lose, I feel like Washington's got to be like, man, I, 
We do like this quarterback, a fifth round draft pick out of North Carolina at that, but Seattle finds a way to win at home 29, 26. What are your thoughts? Yeah. We've talked about with certain teams, how this year is just about figuring out whether your quarterback can play your young quarterback and Sam Howell looks like he can play. I mean, you mentioned leading the league in passing yards. He's also leading the league in sacks. He's been sacked 47 times in 10 games, which is incredible. But this game, down the stretch, he just made play after play after play. They're down 19-12. He gets the ball, eight plays, 73 yards, touchdown pass. Throws a 19-yard touchdown to Gibson. Then Seattle gets the ball. They go down. They score a touchdown. Howell gets the ball again, 10 plays, 71 yards, touchdown again including a fourth down conversion where he had to convert on fourth and one and if his defense did the job they would have won the game now credit to seattle they went down the field and got the field goal with no time left that's not sam howell's fault he was poised and just like he's like a piece of iron you could sack him and sack him and sack him and he just keeps coming back and it like i said that was the takeaway for me seattle though Geno Smith, and he'll make some throws where you're like, what in the hell is that? What is he seeing? And then he'll make some throws that are absolutely ridiculous. He's got great weapons with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, not to mention Smith Najigba, who's really coming into his own. And we mentioned your San Francisco 49ers. Seattle stays with them instead of dropping this game at home. Not with them. I mean, if you check the standings, you'll see the 49ers in first place. So they're they're sort of with them, but not <laughs> really with them. They're six and three. I don't know what the tiebreaker is that has them above them. Division um, record. There you go. Division record. So there you go. So, okay. They are in second place in the NFC West. Be clear. <laughs> to be clear. So big win for Seattle. They could have dropped this game. They didn't. Commanders should have a lot to be excited about. And Eric Bieniemy, I think, is making a case for himself to maybe say like, Hey, if Ron Rivera gets canned, maybe I'm your guy. Maybe not if, not if Ron Rivera. Oh, yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's credit good. to, to Washington too. I mean, I, I, we should give Seattle some love, but like Washington trades away their two best defensive players and still played pretty well in this one. Now, ultimately they might, yeah, they probably would have held Seattle to less than a field goal if they had chase young and sweat on the yeah. team, but still, uh, Impressive showing by the commanders and Seattle. Like you mentioned it with Geno Smith, man. He drops back to pass and lets the ball go. And you could say, what? When he throws an interception. Or you could say, what? When he puts it between (laughs) two defenders 30 yards down the field. He looked poised at the end of this game. And Seattle is a tough, tough team. Especially they seem to be pretty comfortable in close games as well. Yeah, that's going to be a fun race to the finish for the NFC West. We mentioned they have two games coming up with the 49ers that are sandwiched between one game. So it's going to be interesting to see. Let's look at Seattle's upcoming slate of games. They have the Rams, then the Niners, then the Cowboys, then the Niners, then the Eagles. It's not going to get easier for Seattle. So interesting to see how that plays out. Let's go to an NFC East matchup. The Dallas Cowboys. The Dallas Cowboys finish up their season series with the Giants. Let's not forget the 40 to nothing slaughter at the beginning of the season. And they followed that up with a 49 to 17 win over the New York Giants. The New York Giants just, I don't even know who who their quarterback was. Brian Dayball, I, I, I don't know if you can judge him based off this season where the quarterback that they paid handsomely hasn't been healthy. Saquon Barkley, who they built their whole system around, has been banged up. But the, the Cowboys coming off the loss to the Philadelphia Eagles, they do their they do the thing and they win 49 to 17. 
The Cowboys beat the Giants 40 to nothing in the season opener. And this one was worse. Okay. Tommy DeVito is the answer to your trivia question about who the Giants played a quarterback. Big thing we learned about him is that he lives with his parents still and his mom still makes his bed and does his laundry. And it it looked like the Cowboys were his daddy on Sunday. (laughs) Dallas rolled up. And I swear to God, this is not an exaggeration. 640 yards of total offense. That's like the JV team getting to play against the varsity team and just that's a deep panting. It is an embarrassing loss for Brian Dable and the Giants. I get it. It's not your starting quarterback, all that stuff, but come on. That is absolutely ridiculous. The Cowboys had 8.3 yards per play in this game. This is what Dallas should do against a team as bad as the Giants, and they did do it, so credit to them. I think they have a 12-game home winning streak, which is obviously great news for them and, and you know, the reason that they want to try and get the number one seed. Dallas looks very, very good when they play anybody that's not the 49ers. Or the Eagles. Yeah, no, you're right. Absolutely. They played well against the Eagles, too. It's true. They did. They absolutely did. And when you look at the Cowboys, they have the Panthers next week, the Commanders, Seahawks, Eagles, Bills, Dolphins, Lions, Commanders. So they have a little bit of a soft stretch here before it gets tougher again by the end of the season. And Dallas is going to be hanging around. But go back to Dayball for a second. He has his second year as the head coach. You think that he's on the hot seat after what's transpired this season? I don't think he's on the hot seat, but to me, I just think that like people bought in to him a little too fast because the Giants made the playoffs last year. And it was like, if you watch them play, you could see that it was like a kitchen sink game. Like they were just throwing everything at opponents because that's what, to his credit, Brian Dable recognized he needed to do to win. But then to continue to stick with Daniel Jones was such a massive mistake. He was never a good quarterback. I don't know why they did that. Now he gets hurt. Now you're left with a bunch of scrubs at backup. Saquon Barkley has never been able to stay healthy yet. They they're sticking with him too. Like, I just feel like they got caught up in everything that happened last year and they made a bunch of bad decisions. And now it's coming back to haunt them a little bit at two and eight. They're going to have a really high draft pick. And so it's going to be interesting to see how they handle that and what they do in the off season. But like you mentioned, the Dallas Cowboys do the job and they, blow the doors off the Giants once again. Let's finish this up with Sunday Night Football. The New York Jets and the Las Vegas Raiders. I was listening to NFL Network Radio. I was driving around town and they were they were talking about how, and, and this was, I think, Pat Curran said, look, I think that if the Jets lose this game to the Raiders, to Aiden O'Connell, that Salah's going to lose the locker room. He goes, I, I just think that they, they've kind of had enough that Zach Wilson, and I can't believe we didn't trade for anyone, that they think this is the guy, and the Jets lose the game. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And it was awful. This game was bad. This game was almost as bad as the Colts and Patriots that kicked off the Sunday action. So here we have these two bookend games that were just atrocious. Raiders win 16-12. Antonio Pierce gets his second win as the head coach. Rob, are there any takeaways from this one? You can't continue to roll Zach Wilson out there. If you're Robert Sala, you just can't do it. Like how many games do we have to see this guy play before he loses his chance to start? Does he have pictures of somebody? How does he keep getting opportunities? He's awful. He is reckless with the football. He is beyond reckless with the football. I know he looked, he made a couple of pretty throws, some highlight throws in this one, like Mahomes type sidearm, no look throws, whatever. I don't care about that. He is reckless with the ball. The Jets have an incredible 
defense. Incredible. They do not deserve this. You have to put somebody else out there that's better than Zach Wilson. I don't understand what Robert Sala is doing. And, you know, they keep hearing about, oh, Aaron Rodgers is going to come back. Aaron Rodgers is going to come back in December. And he's doing this before the game. He ain't coming back if your team stinks. If you have a losing record, if you're Robert Sala, you have to do something. It is malpractice to continue to put Zach Wilson out there. I don't care who the other quarterbacks are on the roster. Yeah. And this was such a huge loss for the Jets because if you were going to stay afloat, and if you're going to stay relevant, if you find a way to beat the Raiders, you're five and four, you're tied with Buffalo in the division, six and three Miami is atop the division, and instead you lose and you're four and five, and now you're looking up at both of those teams, and that's probably a division that's going to get away from them really quick. You mentioned the defense. They are the ones that have to be seething. Like just, I can't believe as a head coach, you're doing this to us. We are keeping you in every single game and mm-hmm. you are literally show. It looks like you don't care. It looks like you don't care about the offensive side of the ball. I mean, when you look at the jets, the last, when we go back to uh, let's go back four games. Okay. The jets beat the Eagles. They score 20, 20 to 14. They lose to the giants. They, they beat the giants in overtime, 13 to 10. They only score six against the chargers and they score 12 against the Raiders. Like that's not offensive football in today's day and age. You're going to have to get around 20 if you want to win. So I don't know. This is, this is bad. The jets have scored three touchdowns in their last five games, a 72 yard run by Brees hall, a 50 yard screen by Brees hall and an eight yard run by Brees hall. When the Eagles let him score, that's it. It's comically comically bad for the Jets. You, you just have to do something different. Otherwise the message that you're sending to your defense is like, uh, we don't care. <laughs> yeah, can't do that. So that that was that was a nightcap. And the Raiders again. I mean, yeah, you want to talk about the Raiders? They're five and five, and I don't think there's any prayer of them making the postseason or even contending in the AFC West. Uh, they have a tough road to hoe coming up. They've got the Dolphins, Chiefs, and then the Vikings. But they're looking at the future now, and that's why they're starting Aiden O'Connell because they want to see what they have and before the upcoming draft. But you know, Antonio Pierce gets the job done. I want to mention the Raiders because they do win the game, but this game was ugly. Yeah, I mean, look, Zach Wilson gave him the game. He's driving down at the end of the game, and he just stares down the receiver. There's a great view of it on, on Twitter. You can go look, and you can see the linebacker. I think it was a linebacker or a safety. The defender is just staring at Zach Wilson, and he just completely leaves his man in the middle of the field and goes – to the left side of the field because that's where Wilson is looking and Wilson throws it right to him, hits him right in the chest. It's just like you can't give the ball away. No. So that does it for Sunday, week 10. We cover every single game that's on Sunday. Rob, any final thoughts on this week of NFL action? Five walk-off games this week. We've never seen that before in NFL history. And yeah, I get it. Sometimes you get a walk-off game because the two teams stink and it remains close at the end. But that's still an incredible week of football. And I think we're starting to see the cream rise to the top a little bit. We're starting to see a little bit of separation now, 10 weeks into the season. Yeah, it, the week 10 did not disappoint. Every time I feel like I've got a beat on this season, though, and this these teams, I, I, I'm i shocked every week. You know, <laughs> never, never would I have thought that the Texans go into Cincinnati and beat the Bengals. Yet here we are with one of those walk-off wins. Good stuff as always. Rob, why don't you tell everyone where they can find your work with the 49ers as well as on social media? So if you want the best 49er coverage anywhere, just look for Gold Standard Podcast Network. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on Instagram. You can go to our website, goldstandardniners.com. And you can find me on all the socials at Stats on Fire. 
Absolutely great stuff about the 49ers. You can check out my Steelers coverage at the Steel Curtain Network. We're on YouTube everywhere. Just search Steel Curtain Network or Steelers where you get your podcast. You can find us there. You can follow me on social media at Twitter, on Twitter at jhartman, H-A-R-T-M-A-N underscore P-I-T. Rob, it's been another good one. We'll talk next week. Take it easy. Sounds good, Jeff.